Welcome to the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and thank you for joining me on this sports podcast where it might be my favorite sports week of the year. A lot going on, including headlined by the start of the NHL playoffs. Joe Crisali joins me on the show. We preview and break down all eight first-round series. Cannot wait to do that. Action starts today, and we also talk about Joe Quenville. Now coaching the Florida Panthers. Legendary coach, leaving the Blackhawks. Getting fired by the Blackhawks last year, and now he is the Florida Panthers coach. We preview the first-round Joe Crisali, and then it's time to talk WrestleMania and UFC with MMA fighting writer Jose Youngs. A lot of mania thoughts. What do we think of the main event triple threat women's match? Kofi versus Brian was incredible. What else did we like and dislike about the card? And we talked UFC 226, a middleweight title fight, and an interim lightweight title fight. Jose Young's breaking all that down. Joe Casale first, followed by Jose Young's. It's the Money Mitch effect, and it starts right now. All right, it's absolutely my favorite time of the year. Talking playoff hockey, 2019 Stanley Cup playoffs. Joe Crisali on the line. Joe, thanks for joining the show. I know it's a little somber because the Rangers aren't in it, but thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect to talk some playoff hockey. Yeah, man, what up? It's exciting. I've already been over it. I'm like a kid a couple days before Christmas waiting for the games to start, also knowing that the team I root for is probably going to get dealt a quick elimination, but more on that in a little bit. Uh, We are ready for this time of the year. Hey, they're talented. They're talented. They, <laughs> they got are. enough talent. They are. It's don't just, talk them up like that. No, I know, and I don't want to say that it's definitely going to happen. We've seen historic upsets in hockey more so than any other sport, but it is Columbus versus Tampa Bay. That's the first series we're going to get to, but before that, Joe, it's a little coaching news today. There's about seven or so vacancies officially, You know, with the interim tag still on some teams, even some teams in the playoffs, but one vacancy that's already gone, the Florida Panthers. I've hired Joe Quenville. He's the third winningest coach in hockey history, and he is now coaching the Panthers. This was a great hire, and this was a move they had to get out in front of because you know a lot of teams wanted him. So props to the Panthers for getting a legend in the coaching business. I'm surprised he jumped that early. You know? I kinda mm-hmm. was hoping I kinda was hoping he would jump start the franchise here in Seattle. But Well, okay. I mean, so when is that team gonna be around? What? Not next year? Is it Two years from now? Three years from now? Yeah, 2021. Yeah, so that's a long time. And I know that Quinville's actually second. I shortchanged him. He got to second before the Blackhawks fired him, which looks even more ridiculous now than it did when we railed against it. Um, So what you're saying is actually he could beat it here anyway. (laughs) Yeah, look, he is an older guy. He still has some coaching juice left in him. I don't think, you know, we, we threw out that Seattle scenario, but the more it became known, he didn't want to sit around. And everybody is, can do whatever they want. He earned the right to sit if he wanted to. The desire would have been there. But you know, for the Panthers' sake, they fired their coach, a good coach in, in his own right, but they fired their coach because they knew they had to get out and hire Quinville if they wanted him in a hurry. Other teams like the Kings, like the Sabres, who, just to name a few who fired their coaches, yeah. were already in the mix for, for looking at a guy like Quinville. So I think it was I think it was an interesting choice that he went to the Panthers, but this is a team that has some rosters, that has some good players on the roster that are banged up. And uh here's what I'm gonna say right now. It it hurts both of us, Joe, because I think Panarin's gonna be a Panther next year. Wow, you think that you think that happens? He loves Joe Quinville. He loves He loves Joe Quinville. 
loves him. Let's just let's just get about that right now. He said, I want to go to a big city hub, which I know they play in Sunrise, Florida, but it's pretty much Miami. And, yeah, I think that's where he's going to end up. I think that's more enticing than the Rangers, no offense, and what their rebuild looks like. Why do you? Why would you say that? Why would that? Why would it be more enticing? The Panthers were a Panthers. team people thought could make the playoffs this year. In fact, uh, we were wrong about the Sabers, dead wrong about them. But you know, we thought yeah, the Panthers so. had a chance, and I do think I do think that uh, we got a few of them right, which we'll which we'll get to. But I do think that the Panthers are not that far away from the playoffs. You had a player like Panarin. At maybe you know, add a couple other players. I don't think they're far off from making a run. So I just the I really, factor I think is going to be enticing, and it is an educated guess on my part, but it's one of the ones that'll be in the mix. It's it's crazy that you said that because I could I could honestly see it happening too. And you're right; it does hurt both of us because we were talking about <laughs> you trading me <laughs> Panarin <laughs> before neither, he signs with us as a free agent. Now but neither of us gets now, Panarin now it makes and it a little more interesting. Yeah, and. Neither, uh, and and it being in the same conference, too, also does not help. No, no, it doesn't. But uh, I will enjoy Panarin while he's still a member of the Blue Jackets, which he is. That's the first series. So you're already, throwing up, <laughs> you're already throwing up your hands, already assuming that no one's coming back. They're not going to keep anybody. That they threw all their hands in the ring this deadline, and, and now they give it what they had. Bob now and- they got to beat a Bob and Panarin, it was great to root for you. Uh, Duchesne, I think, will come back because I don't know what the market's going to be like for him, but I think he'll be back. That's just my. Uh, honest. But would you get? Would you get a Panarin uh, Blue Jackets jersey when it's on clearance? I feel like that's God, a good, no. a good keeper. Yeah, that's a super throwback right there. Oh, you wear that yeah. in like ten years. You're like, yeah, remember that year, Panarin? Yeah, we almost won yeah. a playoff series, but we didn't because we never did. <laughs> That's the year we almost won a playoff series. So pathetic. And uh, speaking of pathetic, the Blue Jackets get to the playoffs with all these additions, but they play the top-ranked team in the NHL, a team that tied the NHL record for most wins in a single season ever, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Joe, they won 62 games this year, which is stupid, which is stupid on a lot of level, levels. We can go through all the stats. They're the best team in the league in virtually all of them. Kucherov set the record with 128 points for most points by a Russian in a season ever in the NHL. He's the MVP, nothing to, to really debate there. But Tampa Bay comes in with the best record, a President's Trophy. Though, if we're going to talk maybe some silver lining, there's only been, I think, three President's Trophy winners in the last 20 years to win the Stanley Cup. So it's not a lock. We both love Tampa. We both think they're great. But yep. They still have to earn it. Like Even with Columbus' first round and who they have to go through, this will not be easy for anyone, including Tampa Bay. It's it's like everybody says, once you get to the playoffs, everything resets. It doesn't matter what was going on before that. I guess I don't necessarily believe with that believe in that for your sake for your sake for this upcoming game. <laughs> but this upcoming series. Okay. But to have a guy on one hand, the Tampa Lightning, they had three guys go over ninety points. Like you said, Kucherov had one twenty eight, which in the last couple of years in hockey we haven't seen a lot of guys like rack up that many points and then you're looking at a team like the islanders who their top point getter was what 60 they didn't have a guy score 30 goals in there in the playoffs Mm -hmm. which is insanity whereas the lightning the the only thing that they're not first in (laughs) so they're first in goals scored first in assist first in shooting percentage first in power play percentage first in penalty kill they're not first in penalty minutes, so mm. that well, now I'm not believe necessarily. It. Now I believe. 
That's not necessarily a bad thing. And then goals against, they're seven. But uh, how could they? It's kind of like it's kind of like when you're playing Gretzky '99. You just pick uh, you pick Gretzky, and he's just overall '99, and you get and that's it. No. Or no, it's Gretzky 3D, 3D Hockey 94. Never mind. Yeah, now, no, here's what I will say. Yeah, they have 340 goal scorers. They have Hedman, who's maybe the best defenseman in the league, and a couple others that are just phenomenal. And, and they're disgusting. I mean, there's everything you can say. The only silver lining I'll say is that they might have clinched a little early to where they weren't peaking, they weren't playing their best down the stretch. It happens. Vasilevsky has been okay in the playoffs. Maybe he doesn't have to be great, but he hasn't really won a playoff series, I don't think, yet in his young career again because he probably hasn't had to. And a Columbus team that has underperformed, I would say, given the talent, especially their post-deadline acquisitions. They had that West Coast road trip where they were awful. Cam Atkinson is the only real big goal scorer. He had 41 on the year. Panarin led the team in scoring with 87 points. But, you know, it's going to be about can the other guys step up. And, And really, it's playoff hockey. Tampa Bay is, I think they've only got like seven or eight losses all year when they've scored first. So if they score early against Columbus in these games, they're probably going to put them to bed. So I will say that this goes, I'm feeling froggy, I'll say six games. I think Columbus can make it interesting, (laughs) but that's it. And that's me being really optimistic. Tampa's probably going to win this series in five. The talent disparity is uh, is pretty great. And I do think if, if they get an early lead, if they win the first two at home, then Panarin starts thinking, hey, you know, I'm in Florida anyway. Might want to look for a place when I'm on the Panthers next year. <laughs> start, looking, start looking for houses. He's going to put down a down payment while he's there. Can I tell you who the most important player in this series is for Columbus? I'll throw a name out there for you that you might not expect. Sure. Josh Anderson. Hmm. Because you know how he plays. If you watch him what he's all about and it's just rocking guys behind the net and being very physical he's on that grind line with Felino. I think he's the key for this because you are not going to beat Tampa Bay I don't care who you are even the defending champs the Capitals you are not going to outskill them you're not going to outgrace them it's just not going to happen so for Columbus to win this game Bob has to be amazing and they have to be very very physical and rough them up and just turn it into a gong show which may not work anyway but it's the best chance that they have <laughs> but they're big too so you you got your one Josh Anderson with his 200 hits, 200 whatever hits he had, and you put him up against the big lineup of the Lightning. I don't know how, how that's going to go. If you can out-bully a team, that can still bully you back. When Bob Brovsky, uh whenever he retires, uh, I want his shrine to be. Here lies you know, Sergei Bobrovsky. He stops all the hard shots but lets in a couple softies every game. Because <laughs> that's him. That that's really him. If you watch him, you know what I'm talking about. Where he makes these amazing saves and then lets in some really, really soft, real muffins. So, um, yeah, I think six. I'll go six. I think Columbus keeps it interesting, but you know, Tampa might need to ease into the playoffs and might be might be overlooking Columbus a little bit. But they win this series. They did go five last year against the Devils. I think Columbus can push him to six. Uh I mean, I'm I'm sticking with five. Actually, I did one of those brackets today. I think I put five. Yeah, okay. so I'll stick with that. Okay. Well, let's talk about the next series uh, in this division, which is uh, – or that's actually the opposite division because Columbus went over there. We'll go with the next series in this division. That's Boston and Toronto. Last year, this was the best first-round series. And, Joe, honestly, on the surface, you're hard-pressed to say that there'll be a better one than these two teams meeting again. This is why I'm not a fan of this playoff format, that, again, these two teams are meeting in the first round. 
yeah, I mean, it would would have been nice to see them face off with somebody else. But if you think about it, it's kind of like, you know, can can we finally beat? The, like, you know who you got to beat when you're in there. It's mm-hmm. like a constant. It creates more of a rivalry, you know. It does. In Boston, they're coming in hot. They had a they had ended uh, decently, and Toronto not so much. But I think that they they at least think getting Tavares. Puts, give them that extra edge that they needed that they didn't have last time they faced off with the Bruins. But I don't know. I feel like Bruins are more well-rounded. They have the best top line, I think, in hockey. And Bergeron was a, was a beat this year. So, it's unbelievable how he I mean, keeps I, getting better you know, at his age and what he's been through physically to be to be this good. <laughs> like It doesn't yeah. make much sense. And Marshawn going 100 points. There's only been a handful of Bruins ever to do that. I think, actually, I don't even know if another Bruin's done that. I don't know. Um, I think it's been a while if it's happened. But Pasternak, his contract, remember when he was, there was the whole thing with his deal and what he was going to sign for, and they're like, oh, we got to give him for like six mil? That contract looks amazing right now. Yeah. Smart. The only only thing about Pasternak that's funny is the year, I think it was, was it his, which year did he come out and he was, he was really good? His rookie year or his, I yeah, think his was, sophomore year. Was, yeah, it was his first year. Well, it was his first year, his rookie year. And then I think last year he started off a little slow and then picked it up and now he's back to being one of the premier players. Yeah, so when I had him his rookie year when he wasn't doing anything and I took, because I, I do in my fantasy hockey league, which I finished third this year, Jesus, I after you know what? After four straight years of being in second place, I'll take third. Like, thank God, it's refreshing. I don't have to go into the championship game and lose four years for the fifth time in a row. So, thank you. But <laughs> I mean, well, what was I, I, I would, up here? You know, but I also think that this is going to be a referendum on goaltending this series because we know Toronto's sick also with with Matthews and they added, you know, Marner's back and, and you have Morgan Riley on the blue line who's already one of the best defensive or already one of the best offensive defensemen. Tavares just casually comes to Toronto and puts up eighty eight points, forty seven goals in his first year there. So Toronto is going to be able to score too. This series is going to come down to goaltending and I think it favors in that respect at least Toronto. I trust Anderson a little more than I trust whatever Boston throws back. I know it's been Rask has been winning games, but he isn't what he used to be. How do you see goaltending playing out in this one? I don't know. I mean, I I, I tend to agree with you there that Toronto's got the edge with the goalie. Tuukka Rask definitely was not himself this year. For them having to turn to uh, who's the other guy they threw in there, they had to turn to him quite a bit this this year. Tuukka Rask definitely didn't look look like himself. But as to your question from before, the last Bruin to score a hundred points was. I'll let you. I'll let you guess. He's got a big beard. Uh, it's Joe Thornton. Huh? It. See, I didn't realize he Thornton. Plays in it. Yeah, yeah, man, I knew Thornton did it when he uh, in the uh, season that he split fifty fifty with the Sharks and the Bruins, where he won the MVP. But okay, Joe Thornton did it. But that's yep. still that's okay. 2000, that's, <laughs> that's, 03 wow, that's so. It's seventeen years. It's been. It's unreal. Um, no, I, I. I don't know. I mean, I. I think I'm going to pick. I'm, I'm going to go upset, and I'm going to say the Leafs win. I go Leafs in seven. I just think this is going to be an epic series, and I think they win game seven in Boston this year. But I could be dead wrong. The Bruins could make short work of them. I think Babcock coming into this series, he's a very tactical coach. I think he makes adjustments, and I just like 
I, this is why you have a guy like Tavares and you add him to the mix. They lost in seven last year. Okay, here's John Tavares. Here's a more developed young team. I kind of like I kind of like Toronto here in seven. You saying that Toronto is going to be able to beat the Bruins on the road in Game Seven is insanity. The Bruins were twenty nine nine and three. I know. And I, I at, know. At home, but you, they should have done bold. it. What was it? Six years ago, they should have done it, and they choked that away. This is becoming a, a great playoff rivalry. And by the way, the other goalie we couldn't think of was Halak. So I just don't Halak. don't expect if Rask has a bad game, he could be pulled for the playoffs. Yeah, you're right. You're right about the goalies. I'm not. I'm not there. I think. I think Boston. They just the Bruins. They just have more firepower, and they're just better on D. So you can go Bruins. I really in what, like seven. Bruins in seven. Yeah, that is. You're you're right there. McAvoy and the and obviously Chara in that level, but they are deep on the blue line and they can all score. Um, Tory Krug especially. Yeah, I just I, I think this is going to be the best first round series again. I think in terms of quality of game and, and going a full seven, I feel the most confident. I'll put it that way that we're going to see a long series. If I had to bet on which series for sure would go six or seven, I'd take this one. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. All right, Money Mitch Effects NHL Stanley Cup preview of the playoffs 2019, Capitals and Hurricanes, Joe. Speaking of a series I don't expect to go long and one that really irritates me because I would love for the Blue Jackets to be playing the Capitals. Capitals are so happy, I believe, in my heart of hearts that they're playing the Hurricanes. Defending champs, a lot of firepower. We were wondering if they were going to have a lull, if they were going to have that Stanley Cup hangover. They had an actual hangover, but the team actually played pretty well. I just I can't see it. It's great for the bunch of jerks, Carolina, for what they've done, growing the game in the most odd of ways in Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> but if this goes past five, I will be absolutely shocked. If this goes past four, I will be absolutely Oh, we're going to sweep. I don't huh? want to watch a minute of hurricanes hockey so this is the whalers talk this is you being a connecticut native whalers fan coming out too yeah i don't ever since they decided to wear i had no beef with them before other than them leaving hartford and taking away a team but uh they decided to wear those uniforms this year and i you know that's it i how are you gonna do that so I, i had enough of them after that definitely don't want to see them play or win or do anything i will say though their social media is on point those the stuff that they do there is crazy but they they had like a walk-off home run celebration something Vander, on the ice in the Vander holyfield knockout they played basketball duck hunter the knockout yeah <laughs> they're just trying to make it more exciting i get it but hockey's exciting we don't need your shenanigans this isn't cirque du soleil okay and <laughs> okay Don especially Terry not Jr. while you're wearing those <laughs> Yeah, especially not while you're wearing those uniforms. So I, as much as I don't like the Capitals, I hope they mop up the ice with them. Yeah, this is a, this is a bad playoff uh, for for someone in your as a Ranger fan. There's a lot of teams in here that <laughs> that you can't stand that somebody has to win. Um, here's what I'll say: Hey, Flyers are out of it. Yeah. Flyers are out of it. I'm a, uh, that's that's one win right there. Okay, and no Devils too. That's good. Um, they have one thirty goal score. Sebastian Aho. Is the only player all year that scored 30 goals. He's, he's only 21. He's a great player. Tara Vinen, second in points. And then it's all the way down at Justin Williams, third at 53 points. So they really don't score that much. And I think part of the problem they're going to have is the Capitals are going to be scoring a lot of goals. I, I think their issues are, as we've seen them play, can they shore up the defensive side? Can they 
Can they keep the puck out of their net? Can they play good defensive hockey? Ovechkin, again, had 51 goals, and he came into camp in as good a shape as ever. I think the key to this series for the Capitals is going to be if, they're, if their back-end play is great, if their third and fourth line play as well or close to as well as they did in their playoff run. But, uh, I, I mean, there's not much more I'm going to say on this one. I'd be, I would be shocked. If Braden Holpe has an absolutely terrible series, the Capitals may lose. But I will say five because I don't like predicting sweeps. I'm going to say uh, sweep. Super sweep. <laughs> okay. I'll even go to say they don't score a goal. Let's not be ridiculous now, because <laughs> now we're just getting uh, now we're just getting out of hand. And the West Eastern Conference series is going to be Penguins Islanders. Well, another situation where I think you have an enviable team, a team that really likes their draw, and that Joe is unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for your case, because I don't know who you hate more, the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think they love this matchup. The Islanders are not an offensive team. You mentioned it that they don't have a single thirty goal scorer, and it's the playoffs. It's Sidney Crosby. It's Evgeny Malkin. It's Phil Kessel. It's Jake Gensel now. I, I can't. Maybe six, and I would just say because Long Island's going to be crazy, but I'm still leaning closer to five in this one. You're taking. You don't want to see the Barry Trotz going up against well, his old team you in know, the next and, round. And here's what. Here's what. Uh, <laughs> that's the, I love the storyline play. Trotz knows how to coach against the Penguins. It's not always against. It's not always been successful, but he knows how to win some games, and make the series long. But what is what are sports really about, Joe? It's about players, and the Islanders are a great story. And they started the season off on fire, and it was great and everything. And and Barzil and and, and we know <laughs> we know that the team is is working hard and obviously playing unbelievably well. But they're not beating the Pittsburgh Penguins. Come on. Like, I would love to see them prove me wrong. I would love to see the Islanders sweep them out of the playoffs. But I'd also like to win the lottery. <laughs> it's not going to happen. You don't think so? I'm going to pick them. I'm You're going picking Islanders the Islanders. Okay. Islanders, huh? Now, I, yeah, I know. I'm all about that, that storyline. So, how do you see this series going then? Because do you think that the Islanders are going to raise their offensive play? Or do you think what's going to continue to happen is is they're going to play defensively as good as they have. The only team to give up less than 200 goals all season. Do you think they just stifle the Penguins completely, or are they going to skit some scoring that they maybe haven't for the rest of the year? I feel like it's going to be a four-fest where there's not much going on. Crosby can't score. Malkin can't score. What are the, How are the Islanders doing this? Like, What are they doing? But really, they're not doing anything. They're just playing whatever. And they're just going to play the way they've been playing all season and take down the Penguins. I, I don't think the Penguins are as good as they have been in previous years. I mean, I know you said they got Gensel in there too with Crosby and Malkin, but Latang hasn't been healthy all year, and he's still coming back after whatever. He only played like the last couple games, and then he got hurt again, and he didn't play until the last the last two games of the season. Where he scored. <laughs> yeah, well, he scored, but so what? <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. He was on the men for most okay. of the year, and... I mean, I just, I don't know. I just don't see the Penguins putting it together. Okay. Wow. Wow. Well, imagine if it is Islanders Hurricanes in that next round. That would be something. But I, I, I can't see it going that way. Hopefully, Islanders prove me wrong, but just don't see it. Let's go to the West, Joe, where the best team in the Western Conference was. You know who it was. It was the team that one of us said would be pretty good this year. And that was me, the Calgary Flames. 107 points, 50 wins on the year. They draw. The surprisingly good and entertaining Colorado Avalanche. And this might actually be my favorite first-round series because 
it's just going to be offense. Like This will be the highest scoring series. Both of these teams are great offensively and do not defend. I think it's going to be up and down firewag in hockey. There is a scenario I just want to point out where the Avalanche carve their way all the way out and make a conference final run getting in the other side's division. But I do think the Flames win this series in six very entertaining games. I agree. I have Flames in six. I, and any, to your point, yeah. you, picked them, you picked them earlier in the year or before the year started and said they are going to be great. And I didn't have them on my list. And I can get crap because I had the Kings on there and they looked really good this year. So. <laughs> Yeah, that was a bad one. That was yeah. We we whiffed there. We can brush. We can just get rid of that one and forget about it. You have two players in this series that have ninety nine points on the year: Nathan McKinnon and Johnny Gaudreau. My money, they should be the MVP finalists. I know Patrick Kane's up there as well, but next to Kucherov, these were just unbelievable <laughs> hockey players. There's a lot to like about what the Avalanche did, especially down the stretch, Joe. But when I look at this series. I think they are going to have some major issues defending Calgary and what Calgary does offensively. I don't know that the Avalanche hold up. Um, and, I, I mean, Gaudreau, we mentioned him, but Monaghan had a point in game as well, more so because he didn't play the full season. And Matthew Kachuk had 77 points. You look at all the production they got, including Giordano on the back line, I just I, I see Calgary winning this one. I really do. No, I totally agree. Matthew Kachuk, too. What a year he had. Two straight years in the 40s. He almost touched 50 last year, and then he just comes out and just turns into one of the premier players, which I think really tipped the scales for them. And Monaghan, he was this good last year too, but him, he stepped it up a little bit. And John, your boy Johnny G, like they definitely counted him. But I really think the wild card for them was Giordano. No one says anything about Giordano. Every time I hear people talking about best D-man in the league, I hear Subban, I hear Shea Weber, I hear... Uh, Carlson, but no one talks about Giordano. He is a vital part of this team, and I think he's the reason that they are where they are. I do wonder about the goalie situation, though, because you have Smith and Riddich in Calgary, and we don't really know who number one is going to be. Uh, Is it going to be Grubauer for Colorado, or are they going with the other guy? That's the other thing. I think it'll be Grubauer. Yeah, both these teams have uh, have goalie platoons or issues. I know I yeah, that goaltending is the one thing, but all these teams the West is fun because I don't think there's a premier team like Tampa Bay in the East, obviously. So I think you could have a, a Cinderella, a, an underdog team, a wild card team even make a deep run. But uh, they they Yeah, they both just rotate their goalies. So but that I mean, is that necessarily a bad thing? If you think about it from I guess I don't know, running back standpoint in the NFL you get two running backs and then they preserve better over time but or one gets a hot or do you or you just stick with the hot hand i mean it does kind of make it a little bit more confusing yeah we know grubauer is playing because he's been on fire i think 7-0-2 in his last nine uh and i did an article that said smith and rich it sounds like a law firm name not goaltending tandem so that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. But we, exactly. this could be an upset. Uh, we're, we're on upset alert, but we like the Flames. Uh, all right, the other series in this uh, in this division, the Pacific Division 2-3 matchup, is Sharks and Vegas Golden Knights, the defending Western Conference champs, taking on a San Jose team that we were both pretty high on for obvious star-driven reasons. But a lot of people thought they underperformed. 101 points, but they didn't win the division. They had some had some lulls down the stretch. They finished the season 3-6 and 1. They play a Vegas team that also struggled down the stretch but started to round into form a little bit near the trade deadline adding Max Pacioretty and some other players there. 
this one is giving me the hardest dilemma. Like, I'm going to say seven games before I reveal who I picked, Joe, but of all the first yeah. round series, this one gave me the most pause because it's a tough matchup, tougher matchup for San Jose than, than I would like if I was a Sharks fan, and you just don't know what you're going to get between the pipes with with Jones. That's the one thing there. I think Fleury's more consistent than him. San Jose has a skill advantage, but how do you see this one shaking out? I'm with you on seven games, but I, too, had a hard time picking this series because part of me is like, oh, you said San Jose had a bad season. It kind of sucks when you have 101 points and <laughs> it's still nice. viewed as a bad season. <laughs> but I, like you said, they're, they didn't perform the way we thought they were going to perform. Carlson was hurt towards the end of the season again. I mean, not again, but you know what I mean, talking about guys getting hurt. But uh, we would have liked to see a little bit more out of them, especially heading into the playoffs. Going against Vegas, I think, you know, Vegas is, they're the only team that's in the field that made it in with a below 500 road record. So mm. I kind of chalk up, I kind of chalk up them going on the road and not winning a single game in the Shark Tank. So, I right. mean. Could be right there, but I also I do it. think that, I, that home advantage is pretty big, which we saw last year. It's Vegas, people are crazy, all the theatrics before the game. Both of these teams pretty, pretty evenly matched. San Jose scores a little more, but Vegas defends well. I'm going to say Sharks in seven. A little yep, bit better. I, I, think, I think Carlson is going to have a big playoff series. He does not want to be a one-and-done in San Jose. There's a lot riding on this team and, and that acquisition. Vegas, it's a great story. A great story because they were bad to start the year, and we thought, okay, last year was a flash in the pan. They did a good job proving that it wasn't a fluke, that they are a quality team that can contend, but... This division got a lot tougher this year. I'm going to say Sharks in seven. Our second, seventh game, in my opinion, will be this one. Yeah, no, totally agree. Sharks in seven. Boom, oh, lock it down. Lock it in. We're agreeing on that one. I also uh, I forgot to say Calgary had the second-best goal differential, Joe, on the season, plus 62. Tampa Bay was plus 100. 103, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> plus 103. Only about so that's pretty good. Yep. The Western Division champs, the the tightest race by far all season was Nashville, Winnipeg, and St. Louis. St. Louis coming on hard late, but Nashville wins the division, and they get the Dallas Stars, your Dallas Stars, your best prediction all season. I like this matchup, dude. I like it. I like this matchup for the Stars. This could be a fun one. could be a great matchup. The Predators, Joe, after the All-Star break, took a kind of a nosedive. We didn't really know what was going on. They were struggling. But the last 10 games, 7-2-1, and three-game winning streak, they needed every single one of those points to win the division. And they play a Dallas Stars team that is way more defensive than we're used to. Only scored 210 goals this year, gave up 202. Not what we were expecting from them. They played very well at home. This is a very high-powered offense that didn't fully perform but is playing a lot better defense. Are you willing, Joe, to ride with the Stars in the upset or do you think Nashville just has a little too much? I'm willing to ride. Oh, okay. I don't All right. Quit. I don't quit. I told you they were winning the cup this year. So <laughs> I, you, every time we go through this bracket and they're still in it, I'm picking them. So get used to it. <laughs> but I, yeah, I uh, like, like I respect said, it. Like you said, they didn't they didn't score they didn't score at a high clip this year, but they have the players to do it. So, and going up against a team like the Predators, who also don't score at a high clip, I think 
like you said, the Stars were more of a defensive, more better defensively than we thought they were going to be this season. And Ben Bishop, the last two amazing. Of the season, he's been amazing. He was incredible. He had three straight games with a shutout. He posted a shutout in the last game of the season. And when they throw Kudo in there, he does the same kind of same kind of deal. So I think the Stars tip the scale when it comes to goaltending and D. And I think they have just enough more offensive firepower than the Predators will have in this series. Granted, I'm not I'm not discounting how good Nashville has been all year and that they have Pecorine over there who matches up very well with Bishop, but I just think I want to, I, I want to give Bishop the upper hand. Okay. Well, and you did that in, in, the, in as good of a non-biased way as you could. <laughs> I'll give you credit for that. I think <laughs> that the goalie issue you brought up is the key for, for Nashville because they should, they should win this series. They're a better overall team. They have better depth. They can kind of match star power with what Dallas has. But if Bishop plays out of his mind, and if Pekka Rene, who's been a Hall of Fame goaltender his whole career, but the last couple of years has struggled. We, we talked about how awful he was in Game 7 when he got pulled last year in the game at home against the yeah. Jets. That's the, yeah. that's the one area where I could see that tilting the scale as often is the case in playoffs. I'm going to go Preds in 7. I like this to go a full 7 games, but I like Nashville to win this series. I think when you look no. at it... <laughs> All right, here's what I'll ask you. And I know Radulov's been amazing, and I know Seguin and Ben, we know. You're just picking You're just picking chalk right now. Am I picking chalk? I think I'm picking chalk. Yeah, yeah. you're picking chalk. I haven't picked the you big upset yet. I haven't, pick, I haven't picked the upset yet. Um, that's true. I'm picking chalk. I, uh, I, I don't want to I, I go but against the Preds. So you're picking St. Louis in the next one? Is that what's happening, or are you just chalking this baby up? <laughs> I'm going to pick what I intended to pick, all right? Just get off my back for a second. I should have just You're picked Columbus. Me. Yeah, I should have just picked Columbus. But, no, um, I'm going to go Nashville in seven. This is a good matchup for the Stars. You're right. But I just don't know where the scoring is going to come from. I really don't. I mean, you, you think – if he Okay, if he has a historic run, then yeah. But, um, you know, who is it, is it old Jason – is Jason Spezza going to be the third best forward for the Stars? He very well might be. He could be Ben. Jamie Ben didn't show up this year. He yeah. could, you know, he could pop a couple off. He could. He could. Uh, all right. Last series, you mentioned it: Blues and Jets. And I am picking the Blues to win this and series. Zuccarello. There's, there's my oh, yeah. There Zuccarello. You I'm picking the Blues, Joe. I do have one lower seeded team winning. I'm picking the Blues to beat the Jets. Last year, I had Winnipeg going and winning the Stanley Cup, and Vegas screwed me. This so you're is mad not. At them. This is not. No. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so mad at them. This is not the I'm same not Jets team. Not the same Jets team for a lot of reasons. I think their chemistry is a little off. They finished the season terribly, 4-5-1, and one, when they needed a couple key wins to really clinch that division, and they couldn't get it. The Blues. You mentioned Ben Bishop having the uh, well, the second-best goal, goals against average down yeah. the stretch. You know who oh, number one was? Yeah, <laughs> you know who yeah. number one was. And, and it's really been amazing how he's turned this season around. This is the classic team where I'd be very scared to play this team in the playoffs. I'd be very scared to play them because they were worse than the league at one point. Fire their coach, Mike Yo's out of there. He's he's watching the he's watching the uh, playoffs on his couch like we are. Baruby comes in there. He's clearly going to be the coach next year. They'd have to be morons not to rehire him. This is a team that's playing possessed. Their back line's a little tougher. I like the Blues and I like them in six. 
I yeah, man. I I can't believe we were talking a couple months ago about. The, how the Blues were out of it. They were terrible, but they had no. They'd given us no signs their coach. that they were good. And they were, yeah, there were no signs of life. No signs of life. You know and what now, the key was? The we goalie, talking, the, hey, we are talking about them beating the team that at the beginning of the season everyone had them as their you know sleeper cup winner. Jet, I'm gonna take the Jets. But I, I man, that's tough. Because the Jets were still good this year. It's not like they had a bad year. It's not like they didn't do what we thought they were going to do. I mean, okay. Can I tell Wheeler you who did have incredible. a bad year? Who did have a bad year? Yeah, we do. Patrick you know Line. Who did? Patrick Line had yep. a bad year. I'm going to say that right now. And it's again, must be nice when you're a 30 goal scorer and it's a bad year. <laughs> but you yeah, know what? Bad year, dude. You, you know, know what? what? We'll put you on the Islanders. You'd be the the goal scorer of the year. You know what else is a stat in hockey other than goals? A little stat called plus minus. Minus 24, just throwing that out there. Patrick Laine, minus 24. Hmm. Yeah, wasn't great. Was not great at all. Uh, Blake Wheeler. That's the best. And Nikolaj Ellers, he had a bad yeah, year. Yeah, where was he? he was only, 30, only 37 points. I think the Jets. Auckland, 30. I, th- I think the Jets had some chemistry issues this year. I really did. And I know. Somebody was messing around with somebody. somebody. Uh, well, <laughs> we don't have sources <laughs> for sure. Hellebuck is a good playoff goalie. He's. Played 63 games this year. That's a high number. We know he doesn't get tired as much. Had some pretty solid numbers. So if the Blues go into an offensive funk, this is going to be a tough series. But I like what the Blues are doing. Obviously, Binghamton, I mean, that, that guy's just been been stupid good. Like, it's it's ridiculous how he's played 32 games, Joe, and he's 24-5-1. and one. <laughs> Doesn't it just seem like each year the Blues just pull a goaltender out of their ass? Kind of, yeah. They're like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it and then the does. year after, every year they just pull one out of their ass, and then they end up, you know, it's it's insane. For that one year, it was Allen, and then he's relegated to the bench because they had uh, who was the dude last year who ended up going to uh, Buffalo, right? Oh, um, yeah. Now I, I'm drawing a blank now, but I know what you're talking about. Um, Either no, way, now they yeah. just pull, now they just pull Bennington out. It was Carter Hutton. That's and he turns out to be, and he, he turns out to be one of the best goalies in the league, if really, not the best. He's confident. It's amazing, and also another guy that's uh, we know about Tarasenko, who came on strong late. Braden Shen and a Carter Hutton here. Yeah, Carter Hutton. Boom, popped right in there. Petrangelo has been good. They got Pareko, who's a beast. Their D are really, really big and really underrated in that regard. Uh, but you know who also is good? Who's been there? Uh, who's been there before? And has had a great year as Ryan O'Reilly. Because you know yeah. that he's been good for a while in this league. And it's also he's been good in the playoffs. Just wanna just wanna just wanna throw that out there as well. This guy is somebody that isn't gonna shy away in the big moment. He's an all star this year. He's gonna do pretty well for them. So I like uh I like the blues in this one in six games. My lone upset in the first round, if you could even call it that. Just wasn't really feeling the other ones yet. That said, though, if you want to, if you're betting out there and you want a good future bet on an upset series, I think Avalanche could absolutely win, and your Dallas Stars could win as well. I think the West is going to be way more fun. I really do. I think there's going to be yeah. more parity. Any one of these teams can make the cup, Joe. And I, w- I would say yes. Any one of these teams makes the cup. I'm not stumped. I might be a little surprised, but I'm not completely shocked if any of these teams make it. Yeah. 
I wouldn't be shocked either. But, man, I don't know who I'm picking here. Winnipeg, St. Louis. I need it. I need that last pick. I'm going to go... I'm going to go Winnipeg. Okay. I'm going to go Winnipeg in seven. Go Rocket. St. Louis is, is just not feeling it. If it goes seven, I'm I, I'm going to feel very bad about my Blues pick. I think they have to wrap it up in six. You ever get that sense where the series, where that team, that they just got to finish it at home in six? That's what I'm thinking. They don't want to go uh, back you know to Canada. What? I'm just looking at this series. Oh, man. I, no, I'm going to flip. I'm, you're going Blues. All I'm, right, I'm, we're I'm back. Flipping. We're back. I'm flipping. Stars, Blues. I want to see green versus blue. Two of, two We've of seen that before. people's favorite colors growing up. <laughs> green and blue. Yeah, I think that's a colorblind. I think that's yeah, that's a tough one for people that have vision. <laughs> How they, yeah, I want them to. <laughs> I want I want the colorblind people mm. to have a hard time watching mm. this game. It's gonna be tough for them. But all right, lastly, before we go, this is fun talking Stanley Cup playoffs on the Money Mitch Effect with Joe Crisali. Joe. Who's your cup pick? Your way too early cup pick that we can change, obviously, especially when they get knocked out. But how do you see it going right now, going into the playoffs? I I told you I'm not backing out. Stars. Dallas over Tampa in the final. Dallas over Boston. Whoa! Okay. Boston beats right. Tampa. Boston right. beats Tampa. We were on Tampa like at the beginning said, of the year. I in say the Eastern it's... Conference Finals. Boston beats Tampa. Mm, mm. I'm going to say Tampa over. I can't. I want to say the Flames so bad, but I'm just not ready yet. I'm going to say them over the Predators. I think Nashville gets back. I just so I not only do you, not only do you have my team losing in that I pick losing in the first round, you have the team that beats them winning the cup. No, I said Tampa. Tampa's <laughs> going gonna, Tampa's going to win the cup. cup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say Calgary. I'm just the goaltending thing. I. I I don't know. I could say Calgary, but I'm just saying because they're fun and exciting. I just I don't know that they're ready to win them, go through the playoff marathon. It's tough. It's tough, and there's no guarantee because you went far the year before that you're going to go back. We've seen that time and time again. So, um, yeah, why not? Let's see. Let's I know see it's hard. Nashville. Screw the big markets and and the, the national media that says, "Oh, we 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 need big markets." Screw it. Nashville, Tampa will be fun. I know it's hard to not pick Tampa. I know. They won 62 games, 128 points. They got yeah, – it's ridiculous. Stamkos had a great – what do you have, 98 points? It was nuts. And I don't know, man. I just don't like to see the, the top dog win. Like when, when Duke went down, yeah, I was cool with it. It's pretty fun. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well. And Tampa's, Tampa's been top dog the last couple of years. So, And they've been choking the last couple of years. And the fact that – my ex-Rangers on that team, they're not even contributing what everyone else is contributing. No. I like I was so blown away when McDonald was over there. I thought he was going to be a huge game changer. Yeah, he's got, what, 30, 40 points, but compared to the rest of that roster, it's nothing. Well, and, I, they were, and they were touted. Everyone was like, oh, McDonough's great. Oh, Callahan's great. Callahan had, what, 17 points this year? Give me a break. I would uh, I would brace myself for a lot more X Rangers holding the cup. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> just, just I'm just saying, it might There's not be so a good, many. It might There's not be many. a cup. It might not be a good cup parade for you. So no, uh, I well, don't. Yeah. So let's well, let's hope that changes. Is that is that you locking that in? I'm Lightning. locking it in right now. Lightning Predators right, right now. But I'll probably change right. it when we see what happens after the first round if those teams get knocked out. 
Come on, Blue Jackets, <laughs> prove me wrong. I really want the Blue Jackets to prove me wrong and make me eat my words. This is fun. This is exciting. Joe, thanks for coming on. I'll give you a quick minute right now to talk about your New York Yankees and why they're uh, – are they back to form? Why Clint Frazier is their best uh, player? And if they're uh, – if you can at least <laughs> take comfort in the fact that the Red Sox are doing so bad. Yeah, I, I, I knew you were bringing this up because we were talking about Clint Frazier earlier and how great it was that – your Cleveland Indians decided to trade him to us for. All right, I'm immediately regretting this decision. <laughs> no, but Clint's been awesome. Like we talked about too, last year he he wasn't putting it together mostly because he had the concussion and he was hurt. And this year, I think he's the fire they need. Literally, the fire they need. Redheaded and, fire. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's got that extra pizzazz. I was telling you, he's got a. T- he loves style he's got a ton of shoes and he's got two pairs of each and he sent out a pair to be turned into cleats so when you're watching clint fraser at up at, up at bat you look at those cleats they're pretty fresh also it's really great to watch him just rope line drives all over the field the dude yeah. is a monster and him coming up and hitting those two homers in those three games what is it what do you have three homers in two games mm-hmm. like i mean granted it was against the orioles but it was great and yes watching the red Sox sucking is incredible but it's never going to stop. The, the crap talking is never going to stop because I, right now they're currently champions. So yeah, yeah. can't what really can say anything to that ten games in. So unless they're not in the playoffs, I can't really, I can't really <laughs> love it as much. All I know is Frazier would be the Indians' best hitter right now, and, and uh, he, you know, Indians have the best rotation in the AL and the worst lineup, maybe. So exciting times in Cleveland for sure I told you bro I told you this we're gonna win the division I don't I don't want to hear it they're gonna win the division I never said they were gonna win the World Series or even win a playoff series but you having anybody else win the AL is just so blatantly disrespectful to Cleffinger Kluber and the sociopath known as Trevor Bauer Bauer outage I'm telling you I'm telling you there something's happening this year and I think the twins are gonna take that division from you first time in a while I know first time I know All right, Joe Crisali, fun chatting with you. We'll revisit some hockey and baseball at a later date, but good chatting hockey, and uh, we'll be keeping in touch. But thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. Yeah, man, always a good time. All right, huge thanks to Joe Crisali. And just so you know, Joe, I did pick some underdogs. The Sharks are actually underdogs as well. And, uh, you know, it, sometimes the betting doesn't reflect the seeds. We can, can get into that. But I also want to say something else happened after we recorded. That was the draft lottery was announced. So that would have brightened Joe's day a little bit as the Rangers got number two, the Devils get number one, and Chicago three. We had two teams outside the top three crash the party. But in terms of the top two talent, the Devils look like they're going to get Jack Hughes. He is a sensational American kid from Orlando. And Capo Caco time. Yep, that is his real name, folks. He's a finished kid. He's going to go to the Rangers most likely. They're really going to love to have him. But thanks again to Joe Grisali for joining the Money Mitch Effect to talk hockey. Now it's time to switch gears, talk a little WrestleMania, some UFC. We talk about that with MMA Fighting's Jose Youngs. He's got a lot of mania takes, some wrestling takes as well. And we talk about UFC 236 headline by Adesanya Gastelum and Poirier. Holloway, round two, seven years later. It's Jose Youngs to preview all that. Break that down now on the Money Mitch Effect. All 
All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, talk a wide variety of combat sports, some real and some uh, are scripted, but we're going to talk a little bit of both with MMA Fighting's Jose Young's friend of the show, Jose. Thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. Anytime, man. As soon as I saw it was Mania weekend, was right before 2.36, I just assumed we'd be doing one of these calls, so glad to be here. Yeah, I, I do have to say, so we're recording this on a uh, Tuesday night, Jose. We're fans of a lot of sports, and uh, I'm a little off kilter because I just watched that Magic Johnson press conference. And uh, speaking of Mania weekend, that seemed right out of the world of professional wrestling. He's stepping down. Dude, he's such a clown, man. He's just like, I want everyone to like me, so I'm leaving. I'm like, all right, bye. You didn't do, you really didn't do anything. <laughs> what a disaster that season was for the Lakers. And um, I just want to say one thing. I mean, we're people that kind of understand that work has to go into something to be successful. And I know you're someone that grinds a lot as well. He just didn't want to put the work in. Like that's what this comes down to. He wanted to be. He wanted to run the Lakers without actually having to do hard work. It's hard to have any sympathy for anyone, including Magic Johnson, in that scenario. Yeah, he just wants everyone to like him. And as soon as it got to the to the point of his job where he'd have to fire someone, he was like, "All right, I'm out. I quit." I was like, "All right, bye." <laughs> Jeez, man, that is just. Yeah, uh, I don't know that I'll ever feel sorry for the Lakers, but it's it's embarrassing. I'll put it that way. So that was uh, <laughs> that's the basketball news for today. It's just a. Not the season that the Lakers had in mind. But switching topics, Jose, it is Mania weekend. There was a lot going on. And uh, WrestleMania itself was in the books at MetLife Stadium. Another good turnout, a, another lengthy show. But where do you put this Mania when you stack it up to other ones? I, I thought there were some good things, some bad things, some questionable things. But where does this uh, rank on your WrestleMania scale? Mm, I would say top 10. Now, I, I wouldn't put it top 5. It'd be closer to like 6 or 7. Or eight, maybe. Uh, X7, I think, is obviously the best. WrestleMania 3 is obviously historical. Uh, I was a big fan of WrestleMania 30. I think that was really good when that was the, the Daniel Bryan headliner. WrestleMania 19 was awesome. That was the oh, yeah. Lesnar-Kurt Angle one. I'm putting 25 in there because HBK Undertaker 1 was Yeah, incredible. that main event was just awesome. Like, that main event was so weak at 25. Like, that had one of the best storylines. That was the Triple H, Randy Orton one, if I, if I remember. Yeah, yeah, when it first had, got real. That had, like, such a good storyline and such a good build, and the main event was just so boring and just left so much to be desired. So I... 25 was good because of that one match. I like 26 because I was there. Oh, that was a okay. streak for his career and then had like Batista, Cena. And I think that was the last mania to have uh, Money in the Bank, like part of the show. Mm-hmm. Now it's its own pay-per-view. Uh, so I like 26 because I was there. But uh, 35, I, it's definitely better than last the last two years. Uh, but I'd put it top 10 but lower towards like 10, 10A9 rather than uh, okay. top five. I'm also going to throw uh, 10 and 13 in there. 10 had Brett Owen and the ladder match. Yeah, between 20 was good, too. Match. That had the triple threat with you not being named in the main event. Yeah, I know. It's been redacted, but uh, somebody won that we can't say. 13 had, had, Sean, had uh, Bret Hart Stone Cold. I mean, that was just... That's, I think, the best main event ever outside of... Uh... Uh, uh, the second Austin Rock, and then I like eighteen because that had Rock Hogan, which is like like was not a technical like masterpiece at, by any means, but it was like the most hyped I've ever seen a crowd at Mania. Yeah, I don't. Uh, the, another thing about that match that's funny is the Chris Jericho quote where he's like, "How can we top that?" Which is just yeah, so true. That's I mean, that's similar <laughs> to like uh, twenty five, where the uh, the main event had a good storyline and everything, 
But the match, like, right before it just, like, sucked all the energy out of the arena. So I would say maybe top ten. I'd have to really think about it. It's close for me based on the other ones that I added. I thought it was a solid show. I have some nitpicks that I'll get into in a second. But if we're talking about the good, man, Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan was incredible. I know this was your favorite match on the card. It's not hard to see why based on what you look for in a good professional wrestling match. But this had everything from chain wrestling to just the perfect storyline, the perfect heel tendencies from Daniel Bryan. Kofi was incredible. I even thought they used the outside interference well, just enough to kind of keep it going. Tough to beat, and one of the best matches I've seen in, in quite some time. Yeah, not only was it a good storyline and have a good payoff, and like you saw people in the crowd crying. Uh, you saw a lot of uh, African-American wrestlers like Shad and MVP. They posted a video of like them watching the match, and they were like bawling their eyes out. Kofi won so it had the emotions there but it just in the ring I thought it was the best match just wrestling wise of the night like take the storyline out of it I thought it was just a really good wrestling match Daniel Bryan is I think top five wrestlers in the world once again I when before he had to retire yeah I would say he was very easily top five if you're looking at the total package because obviously there are some wrestlers that can do things physically in the ring that Daniel Bryan can't. But, like, for example, Will Ospreay and uh, what's his name? Flip Gordon are phenomenal, and Bandito are phenomenal wrestlers on the indie and Ring of Honor scene. But they don't have the best character work. They'll get there. They're all in their like early 20s. They'll get there. But, like, in terms of the total package, I think Daniel Bryan is easily top five at this point because he, was, he went from. Probably the most over babyface the last 15 years when that WrestleMania 30 like we talked to. I don't think there's yeah. ever been until this year with Becky Lynch. and Even Kofi Kingston might be in that group too. But I don't think there's ever been a wrestler as over as he was that year of the 2000s. And to make the fans turn on him and boo him just shows you how good of a, a worker he is. And how and what, a, and what a gimmick. I mean, I love this exactly. environmentalist gimmick where he's just heightening things that he does believe in, but making himself seem so unlikable. And I'm like, am I booing anti-pollution? Like, what he's saying isn't wrong, but I hate it. And it just makes him, he's such a good wrestler. And Kobe Kingston is such a good wrestler that I thought it was just the perfect match. And uh, I I love this match. I loved, it was one of the best WWE matches I've ever seen in terms of total package. One one thing I do want to mention is that I thought the crowd and we can talk about them a little more as we go on here. But for this match, I think they really respected Daniel Bryan. We know New York is kind of a smarter audience, and and they're not going to do what Vince McMahon tells them to do. But I think they were booing him kind of respect. Bryan was going for that heat, and he was getting it, and I thought it was deserved in the minds of the audience. There was that shot of him being, I know it was all about Kofi's celebration as deservedly so, but just little things like him being carried out of the ring by by, uh, Rowan afterwards, like sulking away to the back. I, I just thought it was perfect for him. I'm with you. He's right back at the top. I think he's the best wrestler in the WWE. I know you have, you're have you more in touch with the independent scene and, and with New Japan, and I, I'm not going to say he's the best in the world, but he's definitely, I think, the best in the WWE right now. And It's him or AJ. I think that's obvious. AJ's a little older. you know. I, I love AJ, too, but he's, he's getting up there a little bit, and he's a little banged up. But anyway, it's great to see Brian back. Kofi deserved it because not only was his storyline great, and Kofi has been a great worker for a long time, but like we were saying at the beginning, he put the time in. I mean, he's been in this company for how long? 
He never had this chance. And what I love most about this more than anything else, Jose, was it was organic. This wasn't yep. something planned up a year ago. This was a crowd reaction to him filling in in the Elimination Chamber, that gauntlet match on SmackDown where he went over an hour, and the crowd just rallied behind him. I just don't think he could have topped this. And wherever this was in the card, it was going to be the match of the night. 100%. And he wasn't even supposed to be in, like cause like you said, Mustafa Ali was supposed to face Daniel Bryan at, I think it was Fastlane. Uh, and then Kevin Owens was supposed to face Daniel Bryan at Mania. But then when Mustafa Ali got hurt, I think it was a concussion, Kofi Kingston filled in and he got so much fan support and through that gauntlet match that the WWE was like, well, scrap everything. We're running with this now. And it worked out perfectly. So in addition to this match, which we both loved, what were some of the other matches on the card that you were a huge fan of? Uh, you know, I know it was a long one. There's a lot to choose from. You can even go into the pre-show. But what else did you like most from the WrestleMania 35 card? Um, I was a big fan of the, the I think it was the Fatal 4-Way tag match. Yeah, a lot of good I'm really, spots. I'm a really big fan of the Usos. I think everyone keeps talking about, like, the revival and uh, – the Young Bucks and like Bandito and like Dragon Lee and all these like these like the Lucha Bros are all these awesome tag teams and like the Hardys came back obviously, but I think the Usos are easily top five if not top three tag teams on planet Earth. Uh, they've gone through the best character development like the transitioning characters I've seen in the WWE in in years where they basically were just Roman Reigns cousins who did the Haka and dressed Samoan and these bright colors to being like Wale's best friends. And they're so good at it. They're phenomenal in the ring. They're great on the mic. They have the look. They've been in the WWE forever. Uh, I think they're easily top three, if not right there at number two, right behind the Young Bucks for best tag team in the world. And when Wrestling Observer does their their award, like end of the year awards, I think two years ago, the Young Bucks won. And I was like, I don't agree with that. For the first time, I genuinely think the Usos had a better year in 2017 or 2018 i can't remember which year it was then the young bucks but uh rusev and nakamara i think are just two of the more unheralded not unheralded more underrated wrestlers uh and character workers in the in the in all of WWE. i think if nakamara turns it on i think there's no better wrestler in the world in terms of character and ring work com- combo i think he's the best if he if he really goes all out but he's very old and I think he's kind of been cruising for a while in the WWE, rightfully so. Uh, he's gotten banged up enough in New Japan with that strong style. I think he's just doing what he can now and making a good – just living easy in America. The bar, what can you say about the bar? Sheamus, I, he's really hurt from what I hear. I think yeah. he has that that injury, that that forced edge in your retirement, oh, no. which is why he's had it for like a year or two. It's like in the early stages. I think it's like spinal stenosis, which is why there's still a tag team. So Cesaro can do a lot of the work, and Sheamus can doesn't have to do a and, full match by himself. And Cesaro's incredible, man. I mean, I, I don't Cesaro's the most build. underrated wrestler in the they, world. They've like, never utilized been... him properly. He's got personality. He's stronger than I think mean, most people realize. I, that's somebody I really want to see get a, a singles push as a face or heel. I think he should be the next one after Kofi. I, I, I don't think he's had a singles run in three or four years. I really like the bar, and I get why, because I like Sheamus as a wrestler too. Uh, he's a really good ambassador, and if, if, if teaming with Cesaro means he, he doesn't have to retire and it's like saving his life, by all means, keep running. Aleister Black might be my favorite wrestler not named Tetsuya Naito in the world. I was a big fan of him on the indie scene. When I, uh, uh, oh God, I'm blanking out his name right now. But uh, 
I love Tommy Ends. That was his name. I was a huge fan of him when he would do PWG. He actually has a lot of experience in kickboxing and MMA. He'd post a lot of training footage of him in Holland, like doing the heavy bag work like Badahara used to do. And Ricochet, I think, is the most athletic wrestler in the world. He's been the most athletic athletic wrestler in the world. Uh, these three, those two guys, wrestled for the Raw Tag Team Championships. I think the Monday before. WrestleMania, yeah. and then they wrestled the NXT Takeover and lost the titles, and they, or didn't they didn't and they didn't win the titles, and then they challenged the Usos for so they they came up short for the Raw NXT and SmackDown wow. titles in like a seven day span. So awesome tag team. I'd really like to see them get single run singles run, but for now I I do like but I love that match for sure. Yeah, and I also thought Styles and Orton was pretty good. I know he got banged up too, but that was—I mean—the the, the storyline was perfect, given Orton and and him just basically hating on all the Indies guys, and then AJ having to fight to make it. Orton being the establishment, I thought that was good. I do want to talk about my biggest complaint with this card. It's too long, Jose. I think we've been over this. It's way too long. It's five and a half hours of a main card, plus another hour and a half or so of the pre-show. So you're talking seven hours local time. It was like twelve thirty. When the when everything was done, but I don't care what level of the the triple threat main event is or, or whatever the main event would be, you know the crowd's not going to be into it. They're not going to be. Nah. Everyone gets tired. People naturally get fatigued. So that could have been the greatest match in the history of wrestling, and you're still going to have a crowd that's kind of a little dead and justifiably so. So I I think they either have to severely shorten this card or do it over two nights because it's grown to that point where I think you could do it a two night WrestleMania show. But I just I can't see it going five and a half. Yeah, and seven I don't know which card. I was looking at the card, and I don't know which car, which match I would want to cut. It's hard. I think you just have to shorten the matches. I I don't. There's no reason Triple H and Batista has to go 25 that was minutes. Too long. And that I mean the entrances. Yeah. We know Triple H is going to have a long entrance. Even Batista getting a long entrance. It almost felt like they made Joe Mysterio a squash match because they were. Well, too far Mysterio, I think, hurt his ankle that that week before, okay. and he had got cleared like the day of Mania. So they basically just wanted make Samoa Joe look uh, like powerful, and Mysterio wasn't 100. percent So that makes a little more sense. Balor being a demon, obviously, he's going to squash Bobby Lashley. Uh, but yeah, triple like there's no yeah. reason Triple H should was, and Batista should go that long. It was entertaining, but yeah, just too long. And uh, I, I do think it was funny. Do you think that? Brock just wanted to get out of there when he knew he was losing. Like, all right, I'm leaving. <laughs> well, I, I do think Brock is for sure going to fight Daniel, I think, maybe August or end of July. Uh, he'll probably do the next Saudi Arabia show for WWE. Uh, so he'll be able to pass the drug test. Like, I'm not I'm not fishing here, but I'm just – if he's going to fight in July, you think we're going to be good and not have any hiccups? He has there? to. He has to. I mean, if he fails, he can't fight, okay. especially in Las Vegas. Uh, or wherever they stick this, uh, but I know Seth got really hurt. I think in January he like broke his back or something like that. Uh, it was a pretty gruesome uh, injury, which is why if you watch a lot of the lead up to this Lesnar, he's not doing a lot of wrestling on Raw between the Rumble and Mania. He's doing a lot of talking and doing a lot of spots, but not doing matches on Raw because they want him to be as healthy as possible. Which is why this match was so quick. And I actually really liked how that match like turned out, where Seth just. Got, it didn't make Brock look weak. It just looked like he got caught off guard, and Seth like slayed the beast. So I, I, I actually really like how that match came out. Yeah, I thought that was entertaining as well. But we do have to talk about the main event here on the Money Mitch Effect. Jose Youngs, I'm going to ask you about that triple threat match, which I'm on record as saying I understand and respect what Charlotte Flair has done. Maybe the greatest women's wrestler ever. I thought the storyline was more 
more dictated towards a Rousey Becky Lynch feud. We got a triple threat match. It was entertaining. Talked about the crowd support not really being there because it was the longest show ever. But then there was the finish, and that's what I'm going to remember. Unfortunately or not, that's just how I'm going to remember this match is a finish that, by all accounts, was how it was supposed to go down, which makes me even think it might be a little worse in my mind. But what did you think about the finish where Becky wins with an unsuspecting pinfall on Rousey? I think the ending was obviously botched. I think the end, Becky was going to win no matter what. I just think the ending was a little flubbed. Uh, it was very flat. I think there was still a lot more build they could have done. Like if, like when in a wrestling match, obviously you have like the peak and then you come down for the finish. I think they were still rising. They hadn't reached the peak of emotion yet. Uh, weird finish at the time I saw it. And I was like, well, that was super boring and flat. But then when it was botched, I've heard two stories. Like it wasn't botched and it was botched. Yeah. I, it doesn't really matter to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I both people people that have told me both sides. I respect both of their opinions, and they're both usually right. So I have no idea. But <laughs> Becky won. Uh, it's all happy. Ronda was hurt, so she's going to take her time off anyway. Uh, I just wish there wasn't as much controversy. I feel like the controversy is like kind of overshadowing the the history that was made, and that's like my biggest like that's the biggest bummer to me. Right. Not that not that the ending was flubbed. Right when you're gonna have a a face go over like this, the good guy win, the good girl win in this case, the man Becky Lynch, it should be her moment, right? And we both agree she should have submitted either Charlotte or Rousey. Queen submitted. She should have submitted on, on. Charlotte. Yeah. Well, if she would have submitted Rousey, I mean, I know we're, we're suspending belief, but we're kind of as wrestling fans used to that, but. It just didn't make her look as strong as possible. I think that's where where I come off as saying this is her moment. She's going to be on top of the world. Would have had it be make her look a little stronger. I do think like and well, I, everyone knew Ronda was going to be leaving for like a while. She, I don't think she's she's definitely not done for good. Uh, she just wants to take time off with her family. She has a pretty severely injured hand. I think it was like pretty badly broken going into Mania. Uh, with Charlotte sticking around. I think if Becky had won, it would have like kind of protected Ronda's mystique and continued that storyline with Charlotte, uh, where she lost the title. And but Money in the Bank is the next pay per view. Usually we have to wait till the summer for that. Uh, it's going to be really interesting now that she's a champ, champ. Whether if someone on SmackDown cashes in, they would only win the SmackDown title. So obviously, I think that's how they're going to separate the uh, titles. Eventually, because like you, they they need two women's championships. They can't have just one floating around. So I think Money in the Bank is how they're going to do it. And I'd just like to see Oscar get another run because she's underutilized. Oh, hundred percent. But one hundred percent. No, it was a good show. Did like WrestleMania. Um, I know. Uh, oh, and the other thing I was going to ask you is, do you think? Quick answer. Do you think Dean Ambrose isn't going to AEW? Um, I think he's going to bounce around for a while. I don't think he's going to go like right away. He might have a 90-day no-compete clause. I don't honestly know. But if he does, I know they signed uh, – crap, I can't remember his name. It's gonna. I'm going to remember it later on. Uh, oh, my God. It's going to drive okay. me insane. Uh, he's an English wrestler, uh, um, and they, he's like – he's basically the Dean Ambrose of like the Europe scene. Okay. Um, and then there's – uh, Pentagon, who is basically the Mexican Dean Ambrose, where they're just so uh, Jimmy Havoc. That's okay. his name. Okay. There, it's like Jimmy Havoc, Ben, uh, Jimmy Havoc, Dean Ambrose, or John Moxley, as he was known on the uh, the independent scenes. And Pentagon are the three best hardcore wrestlers in the world. And Jimmy Havoc and Pentagon are in AEW. Right? They're already signed on. If John Moxley 
signs with AEW, and they do like a triple threat hardcore match, that's going to be the most violent match you've ever seen. So, like, selfishly, I want him to go to AEW just to, like, do that. But I bet he bounces around for a little bit, kind of builds builds up a name, and then surprises people at AEW. Yeah, crazy that he was an established guy on the Indies as John Moxley, so he could just come right back to that gimmick and already have the following there. Well, that's uh, that's going to do for the wrestling side of it. Although I do know that WrestleMania might not have been your most uh, happy moment as a wrestling fan, right? It was seeing Okada at the G One. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I I already knew the answer to that, but uh, to see him in America just just had to make you smile. All right, Jose, we'll we'll go to MMA now, and uh, we kind of were, were <laughs> we kind of were talking about a little bit with a lot of competitive fighters or former competitive fighters in WrestleMania, but uh, before we get to UFC 236, that news that came out today as we're recording this, TJ Dillashaw got two years for EPO. Now that's, I believe, the maximum from USADA that they would give. They went back and said they tested other other samples that didn't come through with EPO on it, and they found it on there while doing more rigorous testing. That's a big deal. This is a guy that, now it was a fight that he lost, but already we're going to have to call into question a lot of his other big wins if he was cheating but this is a huge deal for the sport and obviously for the legacy of tj dillashaw it's terrible man it's it's i mean tj dillashaw you could there was a legitimate argument that he was the greatest bantamweight of all time uh basically ended cody garbrandt's title hopes uh knocked him out twice in violent fashion in the first in the second and then the first round so cody garbrandt lost back-to-back fights against someone who for all we know is on epo uh cody garbrandt had had been saying he was on epo and basically today on twitter he's like i told you mm-hmm. um dominic cruz now i think jumps right back to the top of the greatest 135ers in the world and it's just such a bummer that this happened. I mean, we were talking TJ versus DJ was going to be like a legitimate super fight for arguably the best fighter in the world, maybe ever. Uh, it is just such a bummer for the the legacy of one of the greatest fighters, greatest uh, strategists I've ever seen, too, inside the octagon. Yeah, it definitely doesn't do any favors for the sport, but when you start talking about the individual fighter, TJ Dillashaw's entire legacy comes into question because that's what happens when you get pop cheating, whether it was an honest mistake or more likely something serious. But, yeah, the Bantamweight picture is uh, definitely messy right now. Uh, Not a good couple of months for him, uh, to say the least. All right, Jose, this UFC 236 card. I'm pretty geeked up for it. And I know all these fights, all these fight cards, especially pay-per-views, have good fights top to bottom. But this is pretty top-heavy. In terms of a 1-2 main event, it doesn't really get much better than this. The, yeah, the the only thing I could think of was UFC 226 was uh, DC Stipe. And then at the time, it was Max versus um, uh, Brian Ortega. But obviously, that fell apart. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It really doesn't get much better than this in terms of just high-level martial arts. Like, take trash talking, take titles, take all that out. It doesn't get much better than Max Holloway versus Dustin Poirier and Calvin Gastelum versus Israel Adesanya. No, it doesn't. Uh, there's uh, one fight. We'll we'll start with the middleweight first because I have a lot to say about the lightweight fight. But the middleweight fight. This seems like, and I don't want to shortchange Kelvin Gastelum. He is an extraordinary fighter. He's somebody that had the chance. We thought he was going to get the chance to fight Whitaker in Australia. That didn't happen because of Whitaker's injury. He's been buying his time. He's got a great resume. He's been doing great, great things. Coming off of a fight of the night and a performance of the night in his last two fights. But this kind of seems like it could be the start of a coronation, the start of a new era in the UFC. Because... 
I love Izzy, man, and I know you do too. But I think it's uh, it was, we all thought it was just a matter of time before he went through this middleweight division. But it seems a little faster than even I thought. I don't know if he wins this fight. I really don't. I mean, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I haven't made up my mind, but Kelvin's resume and his caliber of opponents is way, way higher than Israel Adesanya's at, in 20, at this point in yeah. his career. Israel Adesanya, obviously, he finished Derek Brunson. Like, that's a legitimate win. Quick. Like, a lot of people have finished Derek Brunson. Like, Jacare Souza, who's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, who's like a submission specialist, he knocked out Derek Brunson. He's not a knockout artist. Like, Derek Brunson has lost a lot of fights to people that aren't as good as Calvin Gasolum. Uh, and Anderson Silva is Anderson Silva. He's a big name, but he's, past his, he's way past his prime. It was his first fight in, like, what, like two, three years. Uh Anderson Silva in 2019 is not Anderson Silva of 2009. Like an Anderson Silva winning, beating Anderson Silva in 2009, that would have been a big deal. And then he went to a decision with Brad Tavares. He won a split over Marvin Vittori. Like Israel Adesanya, I think, is a future champion. He very well could be Kelvin Gastelum. He kind of has that mystique of when Connor was coming up where he was fighting these guys. And we kept saying, like, oh, wait till he face, faces a real fighter. Wait till he faces a real fighter. Like, yeah, he beat Dustin Poirier, but Dustin Poirier was cutting way too much weight for featherweight. Like, he, he was a natural lightweight that was going down to featherweight. Like, he's, he was saying that forever. And then he fought Connor, and then when he lost, he's like, I can't do featherweight anymore. I spend too much time worrying about the weight cut and not worrying about training right. camp. That's not what you want to do. And then when he fought Chad Mendez, everyone was like, oh, he gets a real opponent finally. But Chad Mendez had a broken hand going into that fight. It was like 11 days' notice, and he knocked him out. Fair play. Knocks out Jose Aldo in 13 seconds, full camp, like – this is the same exact thing that Con- that happened with that Israel Adesanya is going through that Conor McGregor went through. We had so many questions, and when he finally did get face those those big challenges, he won. Like he knocked out Eddie Alvarez, he knocked out Jose Aldo, he avenged his loss to Nate Diaz. Like he's doing what everyone said he was going to do, and he was proving it. So there's a lot of questions with Israel Adesanya. Kelvin Gastelum is an, an elite level wrestler with awesome boxing. Like. I don't think Israel Adesanya has fought a guy like Kelvin Gastelum ever in his career. Like, Kelvin Gastelum has fought a lot of tall people. Like He's fought the Chris Weidmans and the Bisbings and the Vitors. And he beat v- Vitor TKO, and then he tested positive for marijuana. So it's not like Kelvin was injecting himself with steroids. He, be- he beat Jacare Souza. Like, right. Kelvin's resume is way better than Izzy. But that's not to say Izzy can't win. I know, and you're right. He probably Izzy probably hasn't fought someone that can strike like this since he was no in way kickbox, since he was in the kickboxing ring. I mean, I just I agree with what you're saying. Though Gaslam hasn't fought in about a year now, and I do think Gaslam can win the fight. But I'm going to pick Izzy because I just I just love his style, his striking. I think he's an unreal athlete. Sometimes you just wonder how he's actually a middleweight when he's in there. Yeah, but I, I think this is going to be a good fight, but I'll say it goes to the decision, and I think Izzy wins it. I think I, that is not a bad pick at all. I think what when uh, Jack Hermanson was on the MMA Hour uh, yesterday on the on, on MMA Fighting, he said the only outcomes he can see is Izzy winning a decision or Kelvin Gastelum was winning by knockout. Wow. And I was like, well, that's 100%. I, that is exactly the two outcomes I can imagine. I do think cardio. I mean, both these guys have great cardio. Unbelievable cardio, both I, of them. I, I think that if it, you're right. I mean, if it goes to a decision, I think we know which way this is leaning. But he's got to be careful. And, yeah, you don't know until it happens. Because no Kelvin, yeah. Kelvin is a middleweight Cain Velasquez. Like, I've been saying that since, I wa- since he was on The Ultimate Fighter. He's a short, stocky not he doesn't have a lot of like phys, like visible muscles 
but his he has just he, he has cardio for days. Uh, he's very mentally uh, uh, strong now after his like hiccups at welterweight. Uh, it's I wouldn't be surprised if this match if this fight goes like when Kane rematched Junior, where when Kane was like that cardio freak with like just everything he threw there there was no. It always had a purpose. He wasn't just throwing a punch just to throw a punch. Like he was throwing a punch to like set up other punches. Yeah. That's exactly how Kelvin fights. And we saw that when Kane fought Junior, who was at the time the best striker in the heavyweight division. He just beat the. He just sucked the <laughs> soul out of Junior. He drowned him. He physically drowned him in the center of an octagon for 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens with with uh, Kelvin and Izzy. But Izzy is a much. His wrestling is very underrated. Where he's so good at striking, he gets to focus so much on wrestling in the because how much do you need to practice striking if you're a multiple time kickboxing champion at this point in your exactly. career? So he gets to work strict so much on wrestling. He has awesome, awesome, awesome training partners. And what I really like about his uh, his uh, uh, coaches is they use feints almost better than anyone I've ever seen. Uh, City kickboxing in in uh, in New Zealand and Australia, they they use fakes and feints like a wet like i've seen people like fall down from like a fake punch because they think it's coming and when it doesn't they like stumble and fall over it's so weird and so awesome to watch and they do it better than anyone that if kelvin falls for one that's a wrap like you fall for one you're gonna get a sniper rifle to the head so it's i it's such a such a good fight well i can't wait for that one either uh but like we said you don't know you can't predict what will happen in the big moments yeah this is uh, a lot uh, a much tougher caliber of fighter a tougher test but he's beaten him all so far so well only one way to find out as they say so i can't wait for this fight but all right the lightweight fight the rematch what six years in the making max Holloway I think it's and a Ford, seven years in the making well the last time these two guys fought they were kids we know Holloway was cause he was pretty much the youngest fighter on the roster he's 20 he was the youngest <laughs> fighter on the roster <laughs> poirier won that fight Holloway has since gone on to be maybe I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna just say completely the greatest featherweight fighter ever yet because there's you got to respect Aldo and what he's done for the division. Yeah. But if not Aldo, it's him. Holloway's run has been amazing. But Poirier, Jose, the last couple run of fighters, all, all due respect to Poirier, the last four wins or four fights he's had has been remarkable, and who he's gone through to get to this point. How do you see this one going down? Because this is as fun of a fight. And and I'll put it this way, as someone that's been watching this sport for a while, not as long as you, but as a while, I see a lot of different outcomes in this one. Hard to predict, to say the least. This is 50-50 for me. Uh, this is about as 50-50 a fight as I've ever seen. Uh, Love it. This, to say those two are different fighters would be an understatement. Max took that fight against Poirier on basically short notice. Yeah, I think he was like 5-1 and one or something like that. He was 4-0 maybe when he fought Dustin Poirier. Uh, he was a 20-year-old. It was also the first time he ever fought at featherweight was their first fight at UFC 143. Uh, and he lost, but uh, he was 20 years old, and Dustin Poirier had like like 15, 16 fight experience on him. Uh, and at the time, I remember people talking about like, oh, Poirier is one to watch. I think he was like 12-0, and 11-1, and something crazy like that. He's like, he's one to watch for a future title fight. And then his next fight, he had that insane fight against the Korean zombie. So – it's they both fighters at 180 180 they're so mature they're such better fighters i think dustin poirier's run through uh the two fights against alvarez gaethje and pettis 
is one of the most impressive like two years in MMA history. Like, yeah, that Eddie Alvarez was a no contest, but he avenged it. Like, like put a, a stamp to stamps the finish on it. It's not like he sure fought did. to a decision. He finished him in a main event. He does have that loss to Michael Johnson, but like Michael Johnson's one of those. Michael Johnson has wins over Tony Ferguson, Edson Barbosa, and Dustin Poirier. But then he has losses to like Darren Elkins. It's he's very, <laughs> very, very, and Josh Emmett. Very weird fighter. Uh, so he can beat anyone or lose anyone. So, again, the people he lost to are some of the best in the world. The people he's beaten are some of the best in the world. Same as Max. Lost to Connor, took that fight on short notice. I thought he beat Dennis Bermudez, but the judges gave it to him. And it wasn't – I don't think it was a robbery. It was just more of a, oh, I don't agree, but whatever. This, to me, the winner will fight Habib. And the winner between this fight and Habib could very well be the greatest lightweight ever. I know Tony wow. Ferguson's out there. But right now, I feel like the default answer is BJ Penn. Like, lightweight has been so weird where we don't have title. We haven't had a lot of title defense. Like, the record is three. Like, three title defenses is, like, the record. Like, that's – the heavyweight division is the same way uh, because, like, Connor kind of put it on hold, uh, bounced around a lot. The Frankie Edgar, like, had all those rematches. And so Benson Henderson had all those rematches that kind of clogged the division up. Like, the winner of this, Habib and Tony, are all – fighting for the greatest lightweight ever and if max wins this title and then beats beats habib and then potentially beats tony max could be the greatest fighter ever he like not be- greatest featherweight not greatest lighter like greatest fighter and that's how <laughs> epic this fight is he'd have a claim in two divisions so that's pretty good yeah <laughs> i mean that's- i right now i put him right a notch below aldo and i've talked to max and he he puts himself below aldo okay. like he has a little more that's good bulk- Volkanovski is out there. Uh, Yair Rodriguez is out there. Uh, Korean Zombie's still out there. He's never fought Frankie Edgar, so he has some work to do at featherweight. Well, I I get criticized a lot on this show for going with favorites too much. I kind of like Poirier in this one. I a man. I kind of do. I, I kind of like. Tell, style. You're picking for it. Like it's again. This is fifty fifty. I, I don't know, think. But I kind of like Poirier in this one. Like I just, you know, all due respect, obviously to Max, but is locked in too. I mean, and, and he's been on the revenge tour to say the least. You mentioned the only thing I he's would been say putting about, stamps on his victories. Agreed. And the only thing I would say about Poirier that he that Max has a leg up on him is, yeah, po- yeah, yes, Poirier's beaten Eddie Gagey, Pettis, even his fight against Jim Miller. He's been hurt bad in all of those fights. Like he's been rocked, and it's not like he's just cruising the wins. Like his fight against Anthony Pettis was bloody. His fight against Gaethje and his, both of his fights against Eddie, he got put in bad situations and he's fought and back, which is like shows you like that like having heart in a chin is obviously a weapon, but you can't. I don't know if you can put yourself in those situations against Max Holloway and survive. No, well, I mean this is one I can't wait for because anything could happen. I mean I'm just I'm so excited for this fight and, and I, as you mentioned the ramifications for who gets what fight next and what the path is to even more immortality for the winner. A lot at stake and, in this one. And what I absolutely love about this is they these guys have so much respect for one another that they're not talking any trash. Like I love those fights where they're just the best fighters in the world and they're just going to go break brick and I'm so excited. Like I am so excited for this fight. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Well, Jose, before I let you go here on the Money Mitch Effect, it's been fun chatting with you. This is maybe a good stretch run, I know, for a lot of sports, but for UFC and mixed martial arts, this next couple, these next couple months, there's some good cards coming up. Oh, yeah. I mean, right after this, we got the return of Overeem. He's fighting Alexio Linick in, in Russia. That guy's always uh, fighting. 
<laughs> Overeem wants to fight like every other day. He love. He said he, he he was on the MMA Hour too, and I think he's been fighting for twenty five years, twenty years, and he's like, I just reached the halfway point of my career, and I was like, well, that doesn't uh, make any sense. Oh Whatever. Jacare Hermanson. That was supposed to be Romero against Jacare, but I really like that fight where Hermanson's like a is like. A very young upstart. He's like 15th in the world. He took this fight on short notice because he's not going to turn down like a chance to fight the number five guy. Love that fight. Cowboy Ayakinta, I'll watch those guys fight any day, anytime, any day. Rose is returning. Kevin yeah. Lee jumping up to welterweight. Gustafson's fighting uh, Anthony Smith. Cejudo's going to bantamweight. Jessica I gets her title fight. Uh, it's uh, And then International Fight Week might be the greatest card in UFC history with Jones Santos, Nunez, Holm, Askren, Masvidal, uh, uh, Diego Sanchez, Chiesa, like that. Luke Rockhold, Blachowicz is on that card. Like from now until probably August is going to be bananas for MMA fans. Can't wait. And uh, you mentioned one fight in particular. I would really, I'm really pulling for Thug Rose in her next fight. Want to see her back? It's, it's going to be think, tough, though. It's going to be tough, but and uh, I, I'm not. I made this up. comparison a while ago. I think you'll appreciate it. But when the heavyweight, the boxing heavyweights were at their prime, you had that triangle between George Ali and Frazier. I think the strawweights could have that with Rose, Andrade, and Joanna, where Ooh. Joanna will always beat Andrade, <laughs> yeah. Andrade will always beat Rose, and Rose will always beat Joanna. And then you have this boogie woman named Tatiana Suarez, oh. who I think beats all of them. That's also fighting in June. So I, it's, I, it's strawweight is so fun. It's very fun. It's very fun. Well, Jose, last thing before I let you go. It's a professional courtesy. I will uh, give you a couple minutes, uh, a minute or so to vent on the Red Sox. If you say hey, this. the Red Sox are terrible. Like, I look, if you want to, like, I, it's oh three God. nine. Yeah, they got you at a loss for words. The reigning champs have yet to lose. All right, so they lost the they lost a few games, and I was like, you know what, the Mariners are really good. Like they're the best team in baseball theoretically. They're the hottest team. Then they go to Oakland. I was like, you know, Oakland is like low key. They always beat the Red Sox. Like they beat they beat them a lot last year. They made like the Oakland is like low key good too. And then we come to Arizona, and I'm excited because the Diamondbacks aren't that are in that rebuilding phase. And they lose badly twice, and then the only game they do win is one to nothing. I was like, "Oh, it's a it's a West Coast road series. Like we got this." And then Chris Sale goes like five, four, four or five innings, and the the day they get their rings gets pulled. His fastball tops out at like ninety mm, after his huge contract. It was like, and it's a, after today, I can officially say I'm worried. But until until today, I was giving them the benefit of the doubt, but now I'm worried. It's kind of it's stressing me out. Yeah, I mean it, it is a 162 game season, but three and nine off the gate, not really any sign for optimism yet. Still nope, time, especially but... in the A least. No, I know, and, uh, and unfortunately for you, it looks like that other team kind of figured some stuff out as well. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think it is early. We're all dealing with stuff as baseball fans, but. You're not going to get a lot of sympathy out there for winning as much as you guys have done for the last. No, time. and <laughs> take I get that. I get we can't win every year, but if we miss the playoffs, it's like which is very reasonable in the AL East because the Yankees won a hundred games last year and they were a wild card team. So we're going to have to win a hundred just to make the playoffs. So I don't know if that's possible, but we'll hopefully see. we can turn it around. We'll Pedroia if... came back today too, so might, there might be a little hope. We'll see if we can get that countdown clock that Chris Jericho used back in the day for Mookie Betts. For, well, for Mookie Betts, though, because I think I need you to say He's going to go to Chicago. He's, I know it. I know. I just I, I don't want, you know, 
bra- I know you're bracing yourself, but uh, yeah, I just this isn't this isn't going to go well. I don't think in that car. He's done so much for you, but I, I feel like Chicago I, might be the wherever player. he goes. I hope he I he deserves to get paid. I think outside of Trout, he's the best player in baseball. Maybe obviously Arenado and Harper are out there, but I think Mookie deserves to get that contract. And if it's not with us. I just hope it's not the Cubs. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right, Jose Youngs, check out his stuff at MMA Fighting. Thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. Talking some wrestling in UFC. All right, huge thanks to both guests, Joe Crisali and Jose Youngs, for joining the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And a reminder that you can find every episode of the Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. And check us out on the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. A lot of uh, content there as well. I'm on Twitter, MoneyMitchM21. I hope everybody out there enjoys the sports week. Again, the playoffs of hockey start today. I can't wait. Basketball playoffs will start this weekend. We did pay tribute a little bit to Magic Johnson, a little sarcastic tribute. It's crazy what's going on with the Lakers. But there is playoff basketball coming up as well. Baseball season starting. Indians doing a little better despite some uh, injuries, major injuries now. Cleffinger out for two months. And the Masters this weekend. I don't want to forget that. It's a great time. The greatest golf tournament in the world is this weekend. Will Tiger win another one? Rory McIlroy is the favorite. Or will some long shots like a Tommy Fleetwood? Will they make their run? Dustin Johnson, will he get his first? Will Ricky Fowler get his first major? Tons of storylines in the golf world. Sit back on the couch, watch some hockey playoffs and some Masters this weekend. This was the Money Mitch Effect. I'm Mitch Michaels. Thank you for listening. And until next time, Keep enjoying sports and sit back and enjoy the NHL playoffs.